I went to see a consultant at a hospital in Belfast uh, just for a checkup on my uh, knees because uh, they've they've been in a pretty bad way. And, and this guy did something to my right leg that was just unbelievable. And I couldn't walk for the next 10 months, which is one of the reasons why I wasn't able to get here last year. And, uh, and I thought, if I'm going to be sitting down for 10 months, what size am I going to be? Because uh, I was already struggling with weight then. You know, well, I've always struggled with weight. But actually, God's been really, really amazing. Because since October 2017, which obviously caused includes last year, I've lost eight and a half stone, uh, which is really rather nice. And for the first time, I'm in trousers uh, that don't begin with a four for the waist size. And uh, in fact, I'm almost heading for below half of the 30s. Uh, I'm almost in 34-inch waist trousers now, which is, uh, which is a miracle. And I just love the fact that God blesses us, even when we think, this can't be right because I can't walk. Do you know, God blessed me that year. It was a tough year. But it meant I couldn't walk to my kitchen, so I couldn't eat. So uh, it was all right. So that's why I lost weight. But do you know, whatever we do for God, it's his gift and not ours. It's his call and not ours. And I know that over, over these last 30 or 40 years, just been so blessed to see God move and so blessed to see God change people's lives. So blessed to see people healed and set free from all sorts of things. So blessed to see many people saved. And, uh, and it's been wonderful as well because Thaney's, I asked Thaney to go to Columbia with me three years ago in, uh, in April. And he'd never been, he'd never been to South America, had he? And uh, he'd never been on a mission trip of that sort. And, uh, and his first reaction was, oh, no, 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 that's not me. And then suddenly he said, yeah, I'll come with you. I'll come with you once. To, uh, to do some building work, because Thane is a really, really great builder. And uh, so we, we pursued it. Uh, I, think the tempt- I think the real, the real key at Thane coming was that we sat, when he came to do some repairs at my house, we sat uh, in my living room and I plied him with Colombian coffee, brought home from Colombia. I think that was probably the... Uh, the, the turning point I said well why don't you come out and buy some of your own <laughs> and uh, but do you know what God what God's done I mean Thaney's well, you can tell your story I, do you mind if I get Thaney to come up and yeah, say something in a minute and uh, Thaney and I have known each other for, for a long time because I used to go and visit this church in Northern Ireland uh, that is part of uh, for nine years and then moved there uh, in 2009, so 18 years I had an association with that church and, uh, and our relationship until I had a burst tank in, in my roof uh, and uh, a flooded bathroom uh, our relationship had been hello, how are you, it's good to see you again and uh, since then we've become really the best of friends and uh, so he's over from Ireland for the weekend to see me because I live in, at the moment at the end of the grave as well um, I always used to laugh when I used, I used to listen to sports report back in the 70s you know getting the football results 
You remember the tune? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they used to read the Southern League results as well, and it was Gravesend and Northfleet. I think, what a dreadful name for a place. And where am I living? Gravesend and Northfleet. And I just think God's sense of humour is great. But God's got, he's got surprises for us that are just beyond anything that we would ever imagine. And when Fanny sat on my settee and said, yeah, I'll come to Columbia with you, I think he thought he might go home and end up with a divorce uh, papers being served by his wife because uh, he was going to go away for three weeks. And uh, never done that before, I don't think, had you? Um, but she didn't. She didn't. And uh, we went in uh, October 2016, yeah, for Thaney to do some building. And... Uh, What's happened since then has been remarkable. So a man who's only going to go once, who's never seen a miracle and never been on a mission trip, has now been to Columbia six times, um, going at least twice more this year and then probably three, at least three next year. And uh, we've seen God do stuff that has just been astonishing. And Thaney's seen God do stuff both in terms of Provision for building, putting up buildings in a, at a speed that would be unheard of. And that doesn't mean that they're dodgily built, they're brilliantly built, because God was in it. And, uh, but also seeing another side to it as well. Thank you. Come up and just come up and see. Oh, do you, can you use one of those? Okay. I'll switch this one off in case my tummy rumbles while I'm sitting there. But, uh, or a book. We just have people watching the crash. So you, if you can use this, then they'll hear you. Oh, right. Ah. So I'm going to come sit down again now. Do you have a chance to sit down again? I'll come sit next to the Hey. Well, folks, it's been nice to meet you. And I have to say, this is my first visit to this church in body, but not in spirit, because Paul has talked a lot about here. And I met this charming couple. In October 2016. And I have to say now, when they're sitting there, such a godly, caring couple I have never met in my life before. Me, a complete stranger, they treated me as though they've known me all my life. Now, over in Northern Ireland, where I come from, we look upon ourselves as being friendly. And the English were so stuck up by, sorry, pardon me, but uh, I just have to say it like it is. And I meet this couple, and I'd already met Paul, but he just, you know what I mean. I was stuck up. They were so gracious. Now, I don't know if you realise, but any trips that we'd ever been going to Colombia, when we fly from Belfast over to Heathrow, Keith and Margie, what do they do? They drive up Terminal 5 take us to Terminal 2 and vice versa. Never ever ask them. They do this. That's what it is. See when the love of God is in you. You want to share. But we're so convinced. Ah, no, I don't need to do that wee bit. I don't need to do that. Well, do you know what? I sat on those seats, now not these in particular, but just in among the congregation, and I listened to these opinions for going here, going there, and then I looked... Oh no, Jim's there, John, oh, they always do it, and we'll set all. And it was as Paul said, my first, first encounter with God. Now, I came to the Lord in 1983, 
and I met with the Lord and I got baptised. I was a Sunday school teacher for 30 years. But do you know what? Do you know when I truly met God? In October 2016, when I went to Colombia. Before I went, if anyone had said to me, have you faith, have you trust in God? 30 years being a Sunday school, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> but see, when I got out there, I was humbled, humbled by the faith and the trust they have that their Father in Heaven will provide. For instance, on a Sunday, you hear, oh, I can't go to church, I have a bad headache, or oh, I've hurt my leg, I can't limp in there. The first thought in their mind is what? I have to go to church. I have to ask the elders and the pastors for healing. And do you know what? It happens. Now, Paul has told me a lot about what went on in Colombia. And I have to say, I've always believed in miracles. But you get these no-alls. Ah, but have you ever seen one? Um, no, but why? So, the first trip before I went, stood up in front of the church, and the, the minister said, what would you like us to pray for on your trip? And I said, to quadruple the use of these hands, but also to let me see a miracle. Now, yes, that was me being selfish. But just so for these smart Alex to come up. Have you ever? Yes, I have. Well, hey, um, careful what you ask God for. Because your idea of asking for something is not his idea of what he gives. So we turned around and uh, we went over. And as Paul has said, I had never, ever been to a missionary council, never been to a missionary prayer meeting, never done any missionary work. <clears throat> because of Paul Dennison, I went to Colombia. So, and now I had said to Paul, and I can confirm this, when we go to church, Paul, I will sit in the seats and I will pray for you while you lot are all up the front, praying for the sick. So there was five of us there. We went into the service, and uh, the service was over, which takes about two and a half hours, so we've only about another hour and a half to go. So you're okay. <laughs> um, and at the end, they said about five sets of chairs. And Paul was sitting beside us. I said, Who else is arriving, Paul? <laughs> because uh, like you know when I went to school one, two, three, four, one, three, there's five I said no you're going to sit in that I, said, I told you Paul that I don't do that sort of stuff he says neither do I but you go up there and God will do his work through you and because I had said I want to see a miracle well this probably helped but at the same time I was having a full blown argument inside my own head what on earth are you going to sit in that seat for what can you do for these people? Absolutely nothing. And then I sat down on the seat. And there's this old lady. Now, I have to say, my hope and prayer then was that somebody would come up with a wee sore finger and go, oh, there, there, and that's it. But no, there's this old lady that was helped up out of her seat. A young chap on either side of her. And they brought her up. And as she was coming up, I kept saying, look, Go to Paul. Go to Paul. Go to Paul. No, no. Go to Paul. But 
no, no, just came, sat down in that seat in front of me. And at this stage, it wasn't an argument, it was just an absolute chaos. What on earth are you going to say? Now, this is running through my head. Um, and then I said, Paul, what do you do? You know, asked her name, what you want? So, through the translator, we asked. And she looked at me, and one eye was pure white. Pure white now. And the other one was like a milky white. And do you know what she wanted? She wanted to be able to see her children and her great-grandchildren before she died. Ah, and I'm sitting there, what on earth? While I'm having this, the next thing out of my mouth came, do you want your sight back tonight? And she was born blind in one eye and partially said it all her life. And I tell you, when you're there for the very first time, and someone comes up to you and then you have the audacity to turn around and say do you want your sight back tonight I was absolutely flame like what are you saying to this wee woman and the next thing out of me came well the Lord is going to give you your sight and I'm sure they've been seeing this as well she couldn't because she had that stage but I just I couldn't believe that I'm saying this to this woman sitting in front of me that has come up for someone to pray for her. And as I was sitting praying with her, now I didn't pray with my eyes closed, I'm looking straight at her, holding her hands, and do you know roller blinds in the house? You know where you have to? As I was sitting praying, it was like a set of roller blinds where all of a sudden just these milky white eyes and the white, just a pair of beautiful brown eyes looking straight back at me. And to say I was blown away would be an understatement. But do you know what I realised at that stage? Do you see when I sat down in that seat? I sat down in that seat and I said, I can't do this. And do you know what? Not one person, even Paul Benison, can stand here and say, I can do this. We can do nothing unless we trust him. And I tell you what, see when you trust him, everything falls into place. People put this down to luck, coincidence, which I've never ever believed in. But to me, God lays out, from the day we're born, he lays out a path. Now, to go on to another one, because I've actually got a wee photo here of this. Um, On the last Sunday uh, in October, that first time we're over, we had a lot of church service to go to, and I just wanted to go back to the El Abrigo one, which is the one we normally go to. And not to pray for anyone, just to join in the service and a bit of worship and all the rest of it. So at the end of the service, one of the pastors came over to me and he says, look, there's a girl in here I'd like you to pray for her. Right, okay. Um, Yeah, so she sat down and she told me that uh, she had got five cysts in her ovaries. And that she's going to have to go in for the operation to get the entire womb removed. And she said that she has prayed to God that she wants children. And if she goes in for this operation, she's not going to have any. And that was the only cure there was for her. So I prayed for her, came away. But Dick, how do you know how anybody's healed? On January, I received a text from that pastor, Wilmar, 
she was three months pregnant. The child, uh, if we put the photo up, you see that small child sitting on my knee? That was one year after she was prayed for, Daniel was born. There is a small child that should never have been on the face of this earth. Hmm. Now, people look and they read the Bible and they think, why would that have been great to have been born in those days? Why? God is the same today as he was then. But we read this and oh, no, no, that was all, that happened, that only happened back then to start. God is with us day and daily. Living proof, living proof. Now I could show you hundreds of things, miracles that has been achieved over there. In fact, to the extent, because I know I'm running out of time in an hour, uh, that uh, on my last trip, we are now going to do a four-story building for the street kids. We've already done one that looks after 250. This next one will cater for around 350 to 400 by the time it's fully functional. So being a builder, sitting, you plan out, right, have to do this, have to do that. Unfortunately, the state that you get in Colombia is the Chinese state. I don't know what's wrong with that. It's a soft steel. It's very pliable. Whereas if you want to get decent steel, it has to come from America or right here in the United Kingdom. So I'm reckoning that when I get over, I'll get flights from Cali up to Miami, meet steel manufacturers, steel erectors, and all the rest of it. And then I wonder, well, why have I not got an urgency to put all the tickets here and now? All I've done was from Belfast to Calais and back. So on, I arrived there on the Saturday, on the Sunday after the church service. Now sometimes the church service may be two hours, two and a half, three, three and a half. It depends. Paul. And after that, on the first Sunday, we would take all the elders and the pastors and their families out for a meeting. Now, over there, they have big malls where everybody would eat. So, in other words, a lot of families would go out. Now, this is in the more affluent side, but we sat down at a table, and there was about 14 or 16 sitting on our table, just a big, long table, tables behind us, to the right, to the left, everywhere. And I was sitting there talking away to Henrik, who is the, the main pastor of the church. And all of a sudden... Sit behind me, I heard steel work. What was that? And, of course, me and me, I'm shy and introvert and don't like asking people. And I said to Henrik, Henrik, look, if you don't mind, would you ask him, you know, does he know anything about steel? Did you not understand Spanish? I, I do not speak Spanish. And the person sitting behind me was called Eduardo. Never met in my life before, neither had Henrik. He doesn't speak a word of English. Yet I heard still work. Now, to cut a long story short, because it has to be shortened, I flew the whole way from Bangor. Sorry, Belfast, well, drove from Bangor. The whole way over to Cali. Went to a church service. Went to a meeting hall where there'd be 500 people. And just so lucky that I sat there. A person I needed to speak to 
was sitting on the next table. Didn't even know. Why do I say that? He is a structural engineer. He runs a company that erects building. Where does he import the steel from? America. Where does it come through? Miami. Where does the steel erectors come from? Miami. Now, if we think that God is only in our spiritual well-being and our health, he is in everything. If he can plan that a person can leave Bangor and be sitting on a seat and the person you need to speak to is sitting right behind you. Now, even for a betting man, what sort of odds would you put in that? It would be in the billions, the trillions to one. And do you know what the whole sort of, to me, funny side of this is? It's a city of three and a half million as well. It is. And the church has been where it's at. Now, they rent this building at the end. I've been there for nine years. And Eduardo gave me the card, his business card, and then we turned around, had our meal, and then I showed the card to Henrik. I said, Henrik, is that far away? And he looked, oh no, it's only about ten minutes. Ah, great. That was... Because the next day, we were to meet at half past one. Now, he never let on to me where this place was or anything else. We jumped in the car, and then the next thing, we pulled up outside the church. Hey guys, we're going to be, because now Columbia time, as Paul will tell you, it's not one you want to work with. Oh. And I said, hey guys, we're going to believe it, because I'm still trying to get them into our time, you know. And uh, I said, no, no, we're, we're leaving the car here. And at this stage, Henrik still didn't even say to me. And then I thought, oh, they're going to park the car here, because it'd be safer, and then we're going to walk. And the next thing started walking to the church and then past the church right next door. The office of that structural engineer was right next door to the church. (laughs) All those nine years the church had been there, never knew the structural engineer was in there. Yes, the engineering company knew that there was a church, but that was it. So what I'm trying to say to you is, look, don't limit. Please do not limit what your Father in Heaven can do. No matter how insignificant it is to you, He loves it. He loves it. When you turn and say, Hey God, I don't know how to do this free job, like myself. And in the mornings now, about five o'clock, half five, I get up and I go for a walk. Now, that's my time to be with my Father. And I walk around this field, and I talk to Him the way I talk to you at the moment. I don't sit down on a bed, close my eyes and clasp my hands. No. And I tell them everything that I have to do. And there's this thing, I just, I can't get my head around it. See, before I go home, oh, wow, boy, I never thought on that. Oh, am I the big fella? No. Because you give it to him. And he will give you the answers. I tell you what, if you feel that God has spoke to you and said to you to go through that door, if it's God telling you to do it, that door will be open. If you say God has spoke to me and I go through that door and it's locked, what does that say to you? Are you listening to God or are you listening to yourself? You will know because the first step you go to take, he will prepare that way for you. You don't need to fight any battles. He's already been there. He has defeated the enemy. He has defeated any obstacle. He will never ask you 
to do something that you are not capable of achieving. Why? Because it's him doing it through you. And this is where we have to believe. We have to stop thinking, oh, I haven't got the strength. Or, I, you know, I was told to tell that fellow, you know, uh, you have to do such and such. Oh, no, I'm afraid. Do you know what? That person could be standing waiting for that word. And yet you're saying to God, no, I'm not going to pass it. I know you sent your son to die for me, but no, I'm not going to do that. I'm too afraid. You have to remember, he is your father. He is looking after you. He will never, ever cause you harm. I know everybody says, why did God let this happen? It wasn't God. They're so trying to throw God out of every single establishment now, even out of schools. And then when something goes wrong, what do they turn around and say? God, why did you let this happen? Well, maybe because you don't want me to be involved. You don't ask me. You don't put up all these things that are coming before us, that are stopping us from flourishing, that are stopping us from growing. Why? Because we limit. We limit what he can do. His wisdom is just, I tell you, he's given me a few glimpses of what he can do. And see when he does that, and he exposes you to that, you can never, ever, ever deny him. It is absolutely mind-blowing. To an extent that now, I, every opportunity I get, what do I turn and say? Yeah, hey, bye, come here a minute. These are the ones that would have come to me and said, have you ever seen that mark? Come here a minute, bye, come here. Because that's the way I would talk to them. Bring the phone and say, do you want to hear a wee testimony? What about that? Oh, you don't like that one? What about that? I have hundreds of them. And this is how, because there's so many Doubting Thomases out there. And really, when I call them Doubting Thomases, that's an overglorification. They don't want to believe that God will do all these things if you'll only ask Him. And then you wait for Him. Don't try and do it in your own strength. I tried at the beginning, I failed miserably. And I realised there's only one way, and that is God's way. So, thank you all very much indeed. I will hand back over to Paul now. So, so if you can see blind eyes open, and you're an Irish Presbyterian, you can do it if you're a King's Church, Adelston spirit-filled, charismatic, independent church person. No problem. Good put on my heart for today. Just one little verse, or part of a verse actually. It depends on what translation you read to. That's one of the problems we have today as well, isn't it? That the translations can be different. And uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> you can change it. Uh, it's uh, the verse in Romans 12, verse 3, where Paul says to everyone is given a measure of faith. And I meet so many people who would say, I'd love, I'd love to do what you do. Uh, and I say, well, go and do it. You can do it. Oh, but I, I couldn't do this. I don't have the faith to pray for it. Everybody's given a measure of faith. Nobody's, nobody's given more faith than anybody else. We've got access to the same faith. We've got the faith that God gave Jesus when he sent him. We know that, and I've probably preached that here in the past. Colossians uh, 1 uh, Colossians, Colossians 1 19 it says and God was pleased to put all of his fullness into Jesus 
And then Jesus said to the disciples in John 20, 21, As the Father sent me, I send you. So we have the fullness of God in us. Because we are sent as God sent Jesus. So there's nothing, nothing that limits us. What Thaney hasn't told you about the, the building uh, is that some of you know because some of you contributed, and I know and I'm grateful for that. Uh, the building we, uh, that he, I was going to say we, we put up. <laughs> I raised the money for. Uh, Thaney put up. Uh, it's actually a fantastic building uh, that was begun in October 2016 and finished July last year. No, 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 year Start before. March. March 17 and finished in October 17 uh, it's fantastic the one we're going to now uh, that one cost 55,000 the one that we're going to do now costs 150,000 uh, and that will begin probably a bit later on this year and I'm thinking oh goodness me 150 grand how on earth am I going to raise 150 grand to do this but I've got God on my side um, I've also got some friends in Australia who have got a measure of faith. And those guys measure, the, the measure of faith in those guys, uh, two of them are very, very good friends, which helps as well, is that they inherited, not inherited, that's the wrong word, that sounds like a, a family thing. They were given what they thought were 12 pieces, what somebody thought was 12 worthless pieces of paper uh, four years ago in August that were actually Chinese government bonds that were issued to finance the Chinese-Japanese war and then rebuild China after the Chinese-Japanese war. And they're actually due to mature this, this year. In fact, possibly Tuesday uh, this week. Um, one of the guys who's a friend of mine is a financier. And I met him four years ago, and he said, Paul, I've read your website from beginning to end. And I said, uh, are you a masochist? <laughs> and he said, no, he said, I've just enjoyed it. I've loved it. He said, I love the stories. I love the miracles. I love the, the compassion projects you're involved in. And he said, uh, and I'm hoping that there'll be a way that we can help you. And, uh, well, there it is. Because those Chinese government bonds that were thought to be worthless. <coughs> My financier friend Hugh investigated them and they're worth, they've got 12, they're worth 1.9 billion US dollars each. So they have 22.8 billion US dollars that is going to be made available to them in stages, probably beginning next Tuesday. And they are financing the next project. I'm going to raise the money. <laughs> Thank you, God. That's an answer to prayer. <laughs> and we met with James, uh, who's my really good friend out of the year. There's, there's three trustees of the, the trust they've set up ready to receive this money. And when you talk about a measure of faith, a measure of faith, they, they, could, they could keep all that money. It's theirs. They've given But they want to give virtually all of it away to the kingdom and to compassion projects in particular and uh, and James was over he works for British Aerospace he's a wonderful spiritual Christian very prophetic gets lots of words of knowledge 
uh, like Helen does, and I'm hoping she'll have some before the end of the meeting. And uh, James was sent over by his company. He works for British Aerospace, so uh, got a good link with uh, somebody else <laughs> in your church. And uh, he was sent over for a conference. What, uh, only 50 people from all over the world were uh, at this conference. It just happened to be in London, uh, February, February time. <laughs> and he had four hours to spare where we could meet at Heathrow. So we met him at Heathrow. Faini flew over to meet him as well because I wanted James to know that Faini wasn't the cowboy builder. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, James, you know, you said you wanted to help with the projects. Uh, he said, okay, how much? 150 grand. He said, no problem. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to say, no problem, to 150 grand? He said, uh, and then what? So I said, what do you mean, and then what? He said, well, then you've got an empty building. And you've got 300 street kids or more to put in it, and a church. It's going to be a church on the ground floor, because there's no church in this district at all. It's called El Lido, which, uh, like Lido, you know, so it sounds nice, doesn't it? It isn't, believe me. Um, so there's going to be a church on the ground floor. He said, how are, you, how are you going to equip it? You've got 300 kids, you need beds, you need chairs, you need tables and chair, uh, cutlery and cooking equipment and computers for education and, and so on. And so we'll sort of have to leave that to the locals really to beg, borrow and hopefully not steal uh, uh, to get the stuff. And he said, uh, well, you don't have to anymore. He said, how about if we give you 300 grand? So I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let me pray about it. <laughs> And, uh, and then when Faini was out uh, a few months ago, he went uh, to sort out uh, steelwork, <laughs> which obviously God's got his hand in as well. And this project of rebuilding the church actually doesn't just involve rebuilding the church. The steelwork guy who has the building next door to the church wants to sell his building. And the church have been praying for years that they'd be able to expand, but they can't expand much other than upwards on premises they've got. So now, my friends in Australia, courtesy of God and his provision for them, they're going to buy the house next door. And the, I was going to say remodernisation, that would be the wrong word, the development of a huge project for street kids very close to the, the most dangerous barrier district in Cali is going to, be, going to be available and it's going to cost 700000 and James said, yeah, no problem so it's possible that on Tuesday I'll know that we've got a million pounds coming sometime this year <laughs> and I just have to laugh as somebody who's uh, lived by faith for uh, 40 years and uh, you know, God is no man's debtor. To everyone, God gives a measure of faith. And that faith is exactly the same as the faith that God gave Jesus when he sent him. Our problem is that we don't really believe we're good enough or special enough to do what God wants us to do. I want to tell you, everyone of you in this room, Today is good enough and special enough and equipped enough, and you've got a God who will provide enough for you to do it. 
whatever it is he calls you to do, wherever it is he calls you to go. Having had virtually a year out last year because I couldn't walk after that very kind consultant at a very big hospital in Belfast, wrecked my right knee. Uh, I was told twice last year by other consultants, it's probable you'll never walk again. Now, that's quite a difficult thing to hear when you're uh, quite an active bloke who's been here, there and everywhere for 40 years. And, uh, but, you see, I sat there and I said, thank you for that, but I don't receive it. Part of the problem that we have is that we don't really exercise that measure of faith. And we listen to a doctor and we say, okay, all right, doctor. I better do as much as I can in the next few months or the next few years in case it gets to a point where I can't walk anymore. I'm going to be walking for a long time here. Because at about the same time, I had the sixth of six prophecies that I was going to live to the age of Moses, uh, which is 120. So that gives me 54 years uh, left, uh, which I'm very happy with. Um, I'd rather not have 54 years with my knees as they are. So that means that God's going to do a miracle there as well. And actually the fact that I'm standing here this morning and not actually living on the, the reading stand is a miracle in itself. Um, so I'm grateful to God for that. But you know, we have such... We have everything... Everything in the world that God has made for good at our disposal. Everything. One of the things I love as well, I love taking Thane with me on trips because he's seen miracles now and he goes to places and he expects to see miracles. Having never seen a miracle and never prayed for anybody until three years ago, he now expects it. And I, I love that. One of the reasons I love taking Helen is that she's got a great gift for praying for people for healing, as well as words of knowledge, as well as prophecy, as well as being a bassoonist and and, uh, and as well as being really good with flags. You know, I used to think, I used to watch some people with flags and think, oh man, I like that's dreadful. Why don't you just sit down? And uh, I just love watching her with flags. I don't know if you've watched her in the back corner during the worship, but uh, she's brilliant with flags. I mean, the interesting thing is that on, on, her Facebook, on Facebook Messenger, her... Uh, when she sends you a message, it actually comes up and it looks like a Brussels sprout. <laughs> but it's actually her dancing with two green flags. <laughs> I thought, who's sending me a message with Brussels sprouts as their profile? But you know, I love it when God surprises us. And that measure of faith extends way, way, way beyond anything we would ever expect. And I don't know whether you'll be able to hear you, I think you'll be able to hear it, because my phone's quite loud. We couldn't actually find it on YouTube. Um, but I'll tell you the beginning of the story. It's, a, it's an American pastor. Um, hang on, I've just about to switch my phone off. Uh, and now I've lost the image. There it is. American pastor talking about another American pastor. Uh, the American pastor he was talking about is a man named Dwayne which is a really good American name, isn't it? And this guy, Dwayne, was a really, really gifted Bible teacher. 
and a really good pastor. And he got an, he got an infection in his throat. Uh, got like the flu. And, uh, and it, it morphed into a virus which attached itself to his vocal cords and totally destroyed his vocal cords. So he virtually had no voice. And he tried for a while to keep preaching, but he couldn't because his voice was terrible and wasn't very easy to listen to. And uh, in the end, he said to his church, look, guys, I'm going to have to give up. And couldn't stand living in the same town as the church that he loved and pastored and looked after. So he and his wife moved away uh, to a Southern Baptist church. Now, if you know anything about America, you know that Southern Baptists aren't the most charismatic. Uh, do you know much about the Southern Baptist vision? Yeah. Richard will probably confirm that. But, um, but they obviously knew how to bless this guy. Because one Sunday... Or one, no, one, one meeting, I don't know what day it was. The visiting speaker couldn't turn up with Lil. And so they said, let's ask Dwayne if he'll speak. So they did, and he said, no, I can't, I can't, because my voice is so bad. He'd seen, in the three years between his voice going and this point in time, he'd seen 60 consultants and 300 doctors, and none of them could do anything for him. He said, I can't speak, I can't, I've got no voice. They said, look, we've got a special microphone that will amplify your voice even more. And, you know, these days you can buy gadgets, Richard, and know more about them than me, but auto-tune or whatever it is that can change the tone of your voice and change the sound of your voice. (coughs) That's really good if you've got a worship band with people who sing out of tune. And uh, they need a few of those. They need a few of those in Latin America as well. And, uh, And so... He, he said he'd do it. The theme for that morning, or whatever, whenever it was, was Psalm 103, which you've probably heard me speak on here before. It's my, probably one of my favourite passages in Scripture. And the first five or six verses, I always call God's social security system, uh, because it's blessed that all of my soul and forget not all his benefits. And uh, so, God's social security system... And so they asked Dwayne, this pastor, to speak, and he did. And I hope you can... Well, actually, you don't really need to see it, because it was on cassette. So that will show you it was a little while ago. He's trying to explain the fact that that God doesn't heal all the time. Of course, here he is with this voice, and so he's, he's saying... And, you know, God forgives all our sins, but He doesn't always heal our diseases. And I want you to listen to this audio tape, Pastor Dwayne Miller. So when the psalmist writes, and He heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. And you have to be careful about how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess, and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in His sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that He does, but I know that He does. And the only thing He requires of me is to allow Him to be God, and me to be me, and let it be. To say that, Every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. I 
Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of Scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended in the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. That's the change in his voice. We've both had we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. understand this right now. Dwayne Miller exercised by standing up when he couldn't 
speak as far as he was concerned. But he did it anyway. <clears throat> and I believe that there's so many times, I meet so many people who say, well, I tried this and I tried that, but it didn't work, so I gave up. The key is we've got a measure of faith. And God honours that faith. And he honoured because he gave it to us. And all of the promises that he made in Scripture. You know the verse, Colossians 1.20, is it? Or 1 Corinthians 2.20, I can never remember. No matter what promise God has made, it is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Do you know where that verse is, Is it Colossians 1.20? No, it's not Colossians 1.20, because that's... So, 2 Corinthians 1.20. Every promise that God has made is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So he heals all of our sickness and disease, redeemed our lives from the pit. I think it's wonderful that that pastor didn't get healed when he was actually speaking on that verse. He spoke on the ne- He was healed the next verse. He redeemed our lives from the pit. And I don't know how many of you have been through difficult experiences. I know some of you, and I know some of you have, and I know some of you are. But I want to say to you this morning... But that measure of faith hasn't changed. And the Lord is loving and compassionate and he's, He honours every promise and that what He's promised He'll do, He will do. And I love getting all the updates uh, from the foxes on, uh, on their situation. And I just love it because I never ever had any doubt that their faith and the faith of you and the faith of all their friends on Facebook will be honoured and that God will do what he's promised to do after however many consultants however many doctors have said no Thomas Aquinas was uh, having a conversation with Pope Innocent II and this is apparently well documented. And uh, it said, Pope Innocent II said to Thomas Aquinas, while counting gold, See, Thomas, the church can no longer say, Silver and gold have I none. To which Thomas Aquinas responded, Yes, but neither can she say, Rise up and walk. I believe we're in a generation where everything is in such a mess. So many people's lives are in chaos. So many people are struggling. Whether it's financial, whether it's sickness, whether it's disability, whether it's family issues, God will do what He's promised. And even over this year, last, even over last year, I, I couldn't walk. Uh, I, I managed to get to a few meetings, partly because people like Thaney would come and almost carry me out of the house and put me in a car. Uh, sometimes to the local coffee shop, which is also wonderful. And, uh, but, you know, last year people came to my home for prayer for healing when they knew that I couldn't walk. And I thought, why, why are you coming to me? Because I can't, I can't walk. And God healed them. Why? Not because I'm brilliant. Not because I'm excellent. Why? Because God has promised. And God has said that he would do what he's promised to do. Why? Because God has given us a measure of faith. And it's not 
not a measure of faith depending on who we are. So it's not, you know, somebody gets 10, 20% and somebody gets 2%. It's everybody gets this measure of faith from God to see miracles happen. And there have been some amazing, amazing miracles last year and this. The plane is seen, I've seen, and yet here I am standing here with my legs bowed because my knees are completely arthritic. My feet are flat. I've lost two inches in height and I was short enough already because I've got no cartilage, no cartilage left. And yet, I'm, I'll stand here before you today and say, my knees will be healed. I'm going to have new cartilage. And I'm going to get my two inches back. And in fact, I want uh, about another six or eight inches on top of that as well. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but... Some years ago, I was at a, speaking at a conference in Minneapolis in the States. So I'll show you, it was at least 10 years ago, because I haven't been to the States for 10 years. And uh, I was with a guy, it was, there were a number of speakers there, including a guy called James Maloney. I don't know if you've come across James, amazing guy, amazing man of faith, amazing words of knowledge. And we were praying for people, and I was on, because I was one of the seminar speakers, he was one of the big guns to on them. <clears throat> the main platform speakers uh, but we were all on the platform and uh, and there were a load of people to pray for and I was next to Jim who's six foot six and, and I'm not and uh, <laughs> only around the middle there. well six foot six around the middle there maybe yeah but uh, um, and this guy came up uh, lots of people were prayed for lots of people were healed and then this guy came up I don't think we're allowed to call him dwarves these days, are we? Because that's politically incorrect. Uh, vertically challenged? Is that the right word? This vertically challenged gentleman came up who was three foot three. And James is six foot five. So they did look quite interesting together. So I stood between them so it didn't look quite so uh, ridiculous uh, comedy-wise. And, uh, and James said to him, so what do you want God to do for you? He said, I want to be a basketball player. He said, I've spent most of my life with everybody telling me I'm more the size of a basketball than I am the size of a basketball player. But I want to play basketball. And James said to him, well, you need to be at least my height then, don't you? And he said, yep. So James said to me, stick your hand on him. So I put my hand on him. And we prayed for him. I'd like to say it was my prayer, but James was the one that prayed. So, But I... I I won't say I was completely lacking in faith, but I wasn't quite sure what to expect there and then. But in front of two and a half thousand people, this guy doubled in height and became six foot six. And his clothes grew with him, which meant that all of his organs grew with him as well. I mean, it wasn't just what you saw, it's what you couldn't see. And that's even more amazing to me. The fact that his lungs grew, his liver grew, his heart grew, his kidneys grew. And he doubled in height. And the story is quite well documented. And do you know what that pastor said on that tape? He said, is, We put God in a box. And we might not even realise that we're putting God in, in a box. 
And sometimes even when we've got faith, we can still put God in a box. And there are times when my knees are particularly bad and I realise I've got God in a box again. And it's so easy to sometimes let him out and when they get a bit better and sometimes put him back in the box when they're not quite so well. But I'm standing here today before you and I say, these knees are going to be healed. And they're going to be completely healed. And God willing, later in the year, Helen and Colin and her fam- and their family are going to go to Columbia with us. And you might think, well, that's not much. Well, they've got the most gorgeous, delightful 11-year-old daughter who was born with Down syndrome. And I felt ever since I met them that if they went to Columbia, it doesn't have to be Columbia, it can be anywhere, but you know that I love, those of you who know me know that I absolutely adore Columbia. And miracles happen there like I've never seen anywhere else. But that Esther, if she makes it to Columbia, will be healed. And that's what I'm in faith for. And Colin and Helen have been praying for her ever since she was born that God would completely heal her. Same as you're praying as a church. And God will do it because God has promised to do it. When those surgeons said to me or consultants said to me last year you'll never walk again I thought I've still got at least 80 countries in the world that I haven't been to yet and I need my legs to, to go to those and I'm going I'm going to those 80 countries not because I want necessarily to be able to say I've been to every country but because I've just got such a passion for the world. And I thought last year, God, you've forgotten me. People will forget me. You know, when I get back and I'm able to walk again, where am I going to get invitations from? Well, at the moment, they're pouring in. And it's wonderful. And I've got, for about the last 10 years, I've been praying for the opportunity to go back to Ghana been to Ghana many times but that was in the 80s and early 90s and I'm, in the same week I got three invitations to go to Ghana and that was last week and so I'm really excited because God is the God of the impossible and I thought I haven't been to Ghana for so long and they know I can't walk they'll never invite me again they'll never invite me to go to Sweden again they'll never invite me to go to well, I've got invitations to places I've never been to, so I'm starting to knock off some of the other countries now that I haven't been to, like the Philippines. And uh, why? Why? Because God has got a plan for us, and it doesn't matter about the silver and gold. That quote from Pope Innocent II: "Nobody can ever say anymore that silver and gold have I none." I'd rather be Thomas Aquinas and have that faith that says, "Yeah, but neither can the church say, rise up and walk." I want to be part of a church that says to people, rise up and walk. Whatever your need is, whatever your desire is, rise up and walk. We've got such a lot that we can do. Somebody said to me a little while ago, I don't know where God wants me to go. You know, I want to go somewhere, but where does God want me to go? 
I've been praying for a, that he'll put a, give me a country to go to. I said, well, where would you like to go? And they said, oh, I'd love to go here and here and here. I said, well, go there then. I said, God doesn't mind where you go as long as you go somewhere, as long as you do something. I want to see the food bank expand. I want to see money that is held up by the government released. Well, write to Philip Hammond and, and pray over that letter. However many you write, however many of you write, pray and just watch what God's going to do in releasing finance for people. I'm really thrilled because what God what God does doesn't it isn't limited just to healing. I mean, I you know me. Those of you who know me will know that I love to pray for the sick, and I've had the privilege of seeing some amazing miracles over the years. And even just recently, talking to uh, uh, a friend from London, Derry, uh, Davy, uh, who I love being with because he's about six foot three and about forty stone. And uh, even when I was at my heaviest, I used to love being standing next to him because I felt quite small and uh, quite slim. And, uh, but David was telling me about some of the people that we prayed for in 2017 in Londonderry. People with absolutely, unbelievably incurable diseases who are all doing so well. Including a man who was about to have his leg amputated because of gangrene, because of diabetes. And I said to him, I said to Davy on the phone a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I said, Davy, how's this is a good Irish name for you, isn't it? Barney McGurk. I said, How's Barney McGurk doing? He said, Oh, he's doing brilliantly. I said, uh, still walking on two legs? He said, Absolutely. Now Barney was due to have his leg amputated about here. Uh, he said, uh, I've got I've got an infection in my foot. They're gonna amputate my leg. So I said, Would that be anything to do with diabetes? And he said, Yeah. I said, Would that be anything to do with gangrene? He said, Yeah. He said, actually, I'm due to go into hospital on Thursday. This was a Tuesday. I'm due to go into hospital on Thursday. I had my leg amputated. He said, I've got a hole in the bottom of my foot where the gangrene has eaten. Where the gangrene has eaten away. He said, and if you cut a very large cooking apple in half, you could put one half of the apple into the hole. Well, by the Thursday, when they unwrapped his bandages at the hospital, there was no hole. And there was no gangrene. And Barney's walking around on two legs two years later. And it's fantastic. Fantastic. You know, often I tell you stories from, you know, Bongo Bongo Land or wherever, uh, which we always think much more happens in other countries because they don't have as much. Well, they do in Londonderry because it's the UK. And uh, I love telling stories about what God's doing in the UK as much as I love telling stories about what he's doing elsewhere. And it's just... When that pastor, in the middle of preaching, despite his disability, with no voice, just suddenly chokes up. Because God does what only God can do. His vocal cords have been totally destroyed by this virus. And the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. I almost love it when we get to that stage where doctors say there's nothing we can do because then it has to be God, doesn't it? And that's where God steps in. And that's why I'm really glad to be walking again this year having been told you'll never walk again. 
And I never put that up on any blog or on Facebook or anything because I wasn't going to declare what doctors had said about my legs because I thought, I'm not taking any notice of them. And, uh, yeah, they hurt. I'd like to tell you they don't hurt. Yeah, they hurt. But God is God. And whatever we ask of him, he will do. At the moment, I'm in the middle of reading for the fifth time a book called Lilies Amongst Thorns. Don't know if any of you have come across it. It's a book written by Chinese Christians, their own story of their their own persecution and what they went through. Man alive, is it challenging. And if I think I've got faith, I only have to read another two pages of Lilies Amongst Thorns to realise I don't have faith. Not like they do. And the first seven chapters of the book are actually written by uh, Yun, the heavenly man. Um, I had the privilege of meeting Yun in 1987 in China. His story, when you read it, as told by himself, three years after his release, which is when Lilies Amongst Thorns came out, is absolutely incredible. And those of you, have you come across The Heavenly Man? Anybody read the book, The Heavenly Man? By Brother Yun. Great name, Yun. Fantastic, fantastic story. While he was in captivity, God told him to fast. And he fasted, 40 days. That's easy, that's, I can say that's easily done with our food. It's not easily done, I've done it a bit in the past. And, uh, I think my annoyance at fasting for 40 days was that the pastor I was alongside at the time, he fasted for 40 days and lost, lost about two and a half stone. And I fasted for 40 days and put on a pound, mm-hmm. uh, which is the story of my life until lately. And, uh, but Jan fasted for 40 days, and on the 39th night, he said, God, he said, tomorrow I can break my fast. He fasted without food and water. Now, I'm not a doctor or a biologist, um, but I do know that you can only survive about four days without drinking water or without drinking something that's got water. So my excuse is coffee or tea, but mostly coffee because of Colombia. And, uh, but you fasted for 40 days without food and water. 39th night, Lord, I can break my fast tomorrow because Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And God spoke to him and said, but you can do greater things than Jesus did. You will do greater things than Jesus did. Because he's gone to the Father. And you had to continue. And he ended up fasting for 74 days without food and water. And by the time he finished, this man who was in his 30s was the size of a six-year-old. But revival came to the prison that he was in. And God just hit that place like a Nuclear missile. One of the lovely things about this guy in Australia, James, who works for British Aerospace, he's a wonderful spiritual Christian, awesome guy, very gentle, lovely dad. I know his kids well. He designs nuclear missiles. <laughs> I just find that really funny for a spiritual Christian. And um, so does he. But it pays quite well. And uh, God hit that prison like one of James's nuclear missiles. Do you know, we're at a stage, I believe, not just in our land, but in just about every nation in the world, where we need God to hit, don't we? We need God to hit our nations. We need God to hit this world. 
And he looks at this world and he weeps. And then over a pastor whose vocal cords have been completely destroyed, he gives him back his voice. Why? Because he's God and he loves to bless. And he wants to bless us. And he wants to bless the food bank. And he wants to bless what you're doing with Cap. And he wants to bless the job club, which he obviously is, which is fantastic. And for a, a relatively small church, you're punching way beyond your weight already. But I want to say, God's going to punch even harder through you. You're going to punch way beyond the weight that you're already punching at. To see this town, this area, transformed. Why? Because God's given you a measure of faith. You're not worried about counting the silver and gold. But you'd much rather say to people, rise up and walk. Go out and get a job. We'll work it out for you. Go out and feed. How many people did you say, Reg, you fed last? The food bank fed? 19 on Friday. On Friday. 19. Let's, let's pray that in a month's time, that that's 100, five times. Well, that's 95, isn't it? I mean, my, I failed Masso level six times, five times before I got it at six of ten, but I can work that out. But let's pray. Let's pray that God starts to multiply everything that he's doing here, everything that he's doing through you. Like he's doing with thing, you know? Faith has seen so many miracles now. Having said, God, I want to see a miracle. And God said, <laughs> you don't just want to see one, you want to do something. <laughs> and... Carolina and her baby are a delight. The blind lady. What was amazing was that she also had osteoarthritis from head to foot, which is why she was not only helped across the room, the church by, uh, turned out to be her grandsons, uh, because she couldn't see. She also had osteoarthritis from head to foot and two walking sticks. Thady prayed for her eyes. And her osteoarthritis went, and she just got up out of the chair. Having never seen her children or her family, she walked straight across the room to her family. She knew exactly who they were. And the rejoicing in that church that night was immense. Mm. Do you know, God wants, God wants to re- replicate that everywhere. Everywhere. And you can do it because we've got a measure of faith that is... Well, irrevocable is God's word, isn't it? Is it Romans? Come on, Richard, help me. The gift and call of God is irrevocable. Romans, somewhere, 11.29. I think. (laughs) The gift and call of God is irrevocable. And from being told by doctors I wouldn't walk again, I'm now heading back. If not later this year, certainly early next year, I'm heading back. To Africa, I'm heading to the Far East, to the Philippines. I want to go back to China. I absolutely adore China. I want to go back. There's so much. There's so much. And God says, I don't mind where you do it. I'm just waiting until somebody that I know from India writes to me and says, Hey, Paul, it's time you came back to India. Because Indian curries in India are so different to Indian curries here. You just rent them for 30 minutes there. That's... <laughs> I, no, I love it. I love... Yeah, I love... I love the fact that God's using kings. 
as much as he is. But my prayer for you today is that that multiplies and multiplies and multiplies exponentially in the weeks and the months ahead. And that people all over Adelson, Weybridge, Chertsey, wherever, are all talking about, wow, hey, if you need a job, you need to go to King's Church, Marsh Lane. If you need food, you need to go to King's Church, Marsh Lane. If you need healing, you need to go to King's Church, Marsh Lane. Maybe they're already doing that, but uh, I haven't caught up in the news, but uh, I'm sure they are. Slowly. Slowly. Well, let's pray for, let's pray for that f- river, that flood, and that you'll end up with people leaving here walking on water because, of the, because they've been here. So, bless you. We'd love to pray for you. These guys have got such an anointing for healing as well. If you need healing, we'd love to pray for you. If you need blessing of any sort, we'd love to pray for you. If you need God to touch your finances, we'd love to pray for you. And again, I feel a bit of a fraud there because I'm one of those people that I live by faith, so finances are not one of my strong points. Although, the faith to live by faith is there, I guess. <laughs> but I just look forward to hearing what God's going to do with you. What God's going to perform through all of the different aspects of ministry that you, you exercise as a church. Have you got a word of knowledge? You're sitting there like this. So come on, come on, Helen, come and tell us. Thank you. Just the way if you're listening in the crash. Yes. Uh, do, please do come in to Sunday school. Go to the Sunday school, because I'd like people to be prayed for. If, uh,